Hey everybody, and welcome back to the BC Buckets Podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University Basketball. My name's Matt Gall, here in the coach's office at the Newman Flanagan Center, and I'm here as always with Coach Marks Figuera. Coach, what a game yesterday. That was a fun one. You know, I think it added a few gray hairs for yours truly, but um, yeah, I know we're going to talk about it in depth here, but that was a little bit of a stressful one. Probably more fun for you sitting at the scores table than uh, than it was at times for me on the sideline. Oh, yeah, it was a blast. And like you said, we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, and we're recording a little bit earlier today than normal. Usually we record on Sunday afternoons. We're recording bright and early at 9 o'clock Sunday morning to accommodate our guest so he can hit the road back home to Iowa Falls. And we have joining us today Briarcliff's all-time leader in block shots and probably all-time leader in fouls, Michael Collison. Michael, thanks for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, love the podcast. I'm a big podcast listener, uh, and you guys do a tremendous job uh, with, with this show, and uh, that's definitely true. I probably lead in, in fouls as well as block shots. So I was going to ask a question right up front, and I know you get this a lot, so I'm sorry if I offend you, but you know, I think a lot of people know who you are, um, and so I have to ask, what, what's it been like trying to live in the shadow of Jake Bilt? You know... Jake Bill, there's there there really aren't words to describe him as a person, um, or a student coach and what he's meant what meant for Briarcliff basketball, um, and you know for those of you who've been listening to the podcast, you know that I played basketball here for four years and then I had to finish school uh, for a fifth year and and I was a student coach that year and you know I I'll be forever uh, grateful for for what Jake taught me and. Um, you know, I tried my best every day to live up to his standards, and I know that was really an impossible goal to do, um, but I, I just tried my best, and I know it's made me a better person. Uh, it's made me a better teacher. You know, I'm an educator. It's made me a better coach, and it's made me a better man, and I'm, I'm forever thankful for that. So you were at the game yesterday, and, and we'll get talking about that here in just a minute, but uh, what's it like to come back and watch these guys play with – the cliff jerseys on and and what's it like to kind of bring you back to your days playing here i think when you when you're part of briar cliff basketball it, it's something that you're you're always thinking about the team and the coaches and and the new kids and and the kids that maybe that you played with and it's really special and, and we came back and and uh, i actually was watching the game with a couple of former teammates of mine john engler and ben sitzman and um you know it's just so fun to see the success that the program's having and um, you know, you always want the program to be in a better place when you leave it, you know, when you come from where, when it was, when you came in. And, um, I think the program is in just such a good place right now. It has tremendous leadership and tremendous kids in, in the program. And, um, it's so fun to, to see them compete. And, you know, yesterday, like coach said, it was kind of stressful and, uh, we were, we were, you know, we were into it from start to finish and it was great to see him get the win. Now, a former guest, Jay Wright, he brought in uh, a bunch of chicken and ribs and wings from Sneaky's Chicken. Uh, you've kind of followed his lead here this morning, and you brought some uh, refreshments and some breakfast. Do you want to tell our listeners what you've brought today for Mark and I and yourself? Because this is quite the spread here. Yeah, you know, I, I had to stop at uh, Casey's General Store and uh, get some donuts uh, and get some get some coffee. You know, I know Coach Figuera is – Kind of a coffee snob, but I know that Casey's has tremendous coffee, and uh, I knew he'd be he'd be impressed. And um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of uh, getting some food and sitting around and talking sports and things like that. And uh, I knew that you guys you guys would agree with that. And let's just say food has been talked about a little bit on this podcast, so I had to do my part to keep the tradition going. 
Well, and, and I think coffee snob might be a little bit of an overstatement, Mike. But, um, you know, if we're talking gas station coffee, Casey's is right at or near the top of the list for sure. So, I, I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head. So, Michael, we'll get talking to you uh, in a little bit about the usual questions that we ask our guests from time to time. But uh, we got to take care of some business here and talk about what the basketball team's been up to the last week or so. And so, Coach Figueroa, let's start with last Wednesday's game uh, down in Fremont playing Midland in a game that uh, was was pretty close back and forth for the first half. And then you guys kind of imposed some of your will there in the second half and pulled away for a pretty convincing 111 to 90 victory it seemed like everything was kind of working for you guys in that second half yeah it was it was one of those games if you really love defense it was not the game for you <laughs> yeah. um you know and their coach actually we kind of crossed paths at halftime and and he even made a quick joke about that you know it's 55 to 53 at halftime and um neither one of us were really getting any kind of stops but um that that did change the game in the second half when we uh you know our guys made a couple adjustments on the fly and how we were guarding a couple of their actions and um, it allowed us to get stops and, and multiple stops at a time and get out and run in transition. We got some easy baskets. We obviously had three guys who were pretty amazing on the offensive end. And, you know, talking Wolf, who he had 38 points on 15 for 17 from the field. I mean, one of the most efficient offensive games I can remember ever being a part of. It's just really impressive what he did. And, and you know, Ethan Friedel puts up 32, and it's, it's overshadowed because Jay was so good. Um, but Ethan really got it going from three, and then Jackson Lamb had 24 points. So you're talking those three guys at 94 on 45 shots. Now that's just efficient basketball. And uh, every time, you know, we got that lead to 10 fairly quick in the second half, and every time they'd cut it to eight or 10 again, you know, one of those guys made a play just to kind of keep them at bay, and ultimately we pulled away. And, you know, that's a place, like I said last week, we, we've had some struggles down at Midland. Um, and uh, to, to play really well, especially on the offensive end, was encouraging. And, and anytime you go on the road in this league and get a convincing win, it's a good win. So we're happy to, to uh, get back on track. You know, the other thing with that game is uh, we hadn't played in two weeks. You know, we'd had some time off. We had some certainly had some time to practice, which, you know, I said was really good. But um, we hadn't played a game, so you don't know exactly what you're going to get. Is there a little rust we needed to knock off? And Honestly, I don't think there was. You know, guys played pretty well from the get-go and uh, were locked in and engaged and makes a big difference. So good to get the win and kind of got that winning taste back in our mouths and, uh, you know, just getting the feel of playing a game. And then fast forward to Saturday's game at the Tyson Event Center as part of the CNOS Foundation Classic. Hastings College came to town, and uh, that was a game that probably – uh, could have been played at the Orpheum Theater because there was a little bit of drama there at the end. Uh, you guys came out of there with 106 to 103 overtime victory, but they made you earn it. Yeah, that's probably the understatement of the year right there. Um, tell you what, Hastings is a good team, and and that's what I, I told a couple people after the game. You know, if if they're five and five in our league, what does that say about how good our league is? Because they're really good. I mean, they really. They play at a high level. They com I thought they competed like crazy. I thought there was a couple times where we had the chance to extend our league from six up to eight, ten, and more, and every single time I thought that, it was like they went on a five or six-oh run, and all of a sudden it was tied or we were down again. Um, you know, and, and their guard, Kevin Miller, he's hard to guard. Tell you what, um, you know, he had 36 on us, and, and I thought a lot of them were contested shots that he really had to work for, um, and he made them, and that's just – 
that's what good players do in this league. And, you know, Jay Wolf had a great game for us again. You know, I didn't even realize until after the fact a couple hours that he was only an assist shy of a triple-double. You know, again, very efficient. You know, and Friedel had another great game. I, I think the X factor in the game for us on the offensive end was Jaden Klein-Hesslink, though. Um, you know, he, he made a couple of mistakes, and we, we always tell him, just don't get down on yourself. Get ready for the next play. Make the next shot, all those things. And he hit a huge three down the stretch, and he had a really tough finish at the basket down the stretch. And you're talking about a tough kid as a freshman that with the game on the line, he can go up and, and make those plays. And so I thought he was huge for us off the bench last night. And, uh, you know, ultimately it was a very big team win. You know, we had a lot of contributions from a lot of guys, and, and I thought we had actually talked the, the couple days leading up to that game about how as a coaching staff we thought the tougher team would win that game. Um, and, and Hastings is a big physically tough team. And uh, so we said, you know, we're physically we're probably not as big as strong as they are, but if we just execute our game plan, keep doing what we do, and, and we talk a lot about staying the course – that's uh, that's an Eric Erdman line that's kind of been adopted by everybody in the program. Just stay the course with what we do. We'll we'll win in the end. And wasn't always pretty. Uh, the the execution of our late game situations wasn't a hundred percent on par, but um, it was a very team tough and together win. And uh, you know now we move into the second half of of GPAC play, and you know everything from here on out gets magnified a little bit. Um, you know the intensity ramps up. The scouting. Um, you know, there's no secrets anymore in the league. You know, and everybody knows what we're going to do, and we know what everybody's going to do. And, uh, you know, now at, sitting at 8-2 and two in the league, there's there's eight teams that want to pay us back for beating them. You know, and so um, it just it heightens everything involved in that game. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. You know, there's I told the guys right after Christmas even, there's a lot of teams in the country that would trade places with us right now. We're in a good spot. Um you know, we're, we're right there in the conversation at the top of the league, which is where we want to be. But at the same time, I told him after the game, and it's something we'll talk about this week, what we did to get to where we're at is not good enough to get us where we want to be. And we have to, we have to focus on continually getting better um, here over these next four to six, seven weeks. Yeah, one thing I noticed the last couple games <clears throat> compared to the last few games right before break after Eric went down, um, is that it seems like everyone, Klein Hesslink, Friedel, uh, Lamb, all those guys are getting a little more comfortable kind of settling into what their new role is offensively. And I think that's something that was maybe missing those couple games right before the break. Uh, everyone was, wasn't really sure how they should step up. Uh, Jay, you know, is doing Jay things. He can control every facet of the game. Um, but it's been awesome to see everyone else come in, even Saturday, with uh, Sammy Green coming off the bench and missing a couple threes. Uh, and then having the confidence to, I think, hit that third one, um, you know, not backing down, not being afraid to take those shots. Uh, you know, I think that's going to be something that people look back on this freshman class, especially with Kyle, Sammy, Jaden. Uh, I think people look back at how those guys really took the adversity of the first half of the season and, and used that to kind of propel their maturity. Yep. And, and that goes back to, you know, everything you just talked about when, when Eric first went down you know, our, our point to the team was nobody's going to just step in and be Eric Erdman. Like, it's, it, that, that ain't happening. Um, you know, and everybody needs to up their game just a little bit. And as a group, we need to be patient with each other because some things have to change, especially offensively, because Eric was so ball dominant um, and so good with the basketball in his hands that we needed, 
we needed to make a few little tweaks here and there and and so a few things have changed but a lot of things are still the same and it's just guys playing a little bit different roles and now that they've stepped in and and like you said they're a little more comfortable with the roles I think good things are happening well, as hard as it is to put an exciting game like that behind us, uh, you guys obviously have to turn your attention towards what's to come this week. And Wednesday, you guys have a pretty big test uh, coming here, and that's Jamestown, who you guys beat up there in a very close high-scoring game. Um, and they are sitting this year, I believe, at 17-3 and three with three losses in the conference, so only a game behind you guys. Uh, so, like you said, you're, the target's on your back from a lot of teams, but there's also a lot of those teams who not only are, are looking to get you guys, but also finish high in the conference. Uh, what have you seen from Jamestown since you've played them last and how you're going to see them this Wednesday? Well, you know, you said it. We, we played a real shootout up there in a game that was really back and forth. I don't know that either team led by more than eight, um, and there was a ton of ties, lead changes, all that, and uh, they are a really, really good offensive team. Um, they have a couple guards who are really good playmakers off the dribble. They also have a few really, really good shooters. Um, their big guys are, are great finishers around the basket, and they've been scoring um, at a high and efficient level here over the last month. I, I think it's been over a month since they've lost a game. They lost a close one at Morningside. Um, back in early December, but they've been playing really well. Um, I think they're confident, um, and uh, you know it's going to be one of those games where we're going to have to be on our A game and, and ready to go from the get go, or or it, it might not be good. But um, I think it's going to be a, a great game. I really do. I think you know students are going to start filing back here over the next week to Briarcliff, so hopefully we have a nice uh, Blue Crew section going on. But Jamestown's really good, you know, and, they, and in a lot of ways they're very similar to us. Um, in the way that they play, I think some of the philosophies they have offensively mirror us a lot. Um, you know, they shoot the three really well. They shoot a lot of threes. Uh, they ball screen a lot. But but ultimately, they, they try to spread you out and uh, make you make tough decisions as a defender. And, and that's a lot of what we try to do, too. So it's it should be a fun one. And it's going to be nice to be back in the Flanagan Center after a, a few week break. Yeah, if you're around town, make sure you get here 6 o'clock for the women's game, 8 o'clock for the men's game. But that's going to be, uh, I think, just a quintessential G-pack, high-scoring, fast-paced game. If history tells us anything, that's what happened up there. So, And hopefully, maybe we'll get a Dr. Paul Olson appearance. I don't know if he's going to make that drive or not for a Wednesday night game, but uh, it'd be great to see him. If not, I'm sure he'll be watching. If he was online. a real fan, he would be here Wednesday night. I'm calling you out, Dr. Olson. And a little backstory on that, he talked trash to me the entire game when we played up at Jamestown. <laughs> so if I can throw a shot at him right now, I'm going to do it. So the challenge has been issued, Dr. Olson. Uh, get your tires filled up, check your oil, because you're making a road trip this week. So uh, that's Wednesday, and then on Saturday, you guys have Concordia, and you beat them uh, earlier in the season pretty good. But, uh, you know, this conference is not – immune to surprises and so you have to be ready to go every night and so what are you going to be preparing for for Concordia this time around? Well it's going to be a, a real contrast in styles this week um, you know Jamestown like I said much like us up tempo fast paced um, Concordia they're a little bit more um, likely to slow it down make you work for 25 28 seconds of a shot clock um, they execute their offense pretty well um, you know and, and they've struggled they've lost some close games um, their record in the league is not the greatest, but I tell you what, when you go on the road in this league, um, the second you start overlooking somebody is the second you're going to get beat. And, uh, you know, they still have a couple of really nice guards um, that can make plays. And, and, in fact, one of them hurt us the first time. You know, yeah, I think he had 23 on us. 
um, Brevin Sloop, and uh, so we're, we're going to need to be prepared. It's uh, you know it's a long trip down there on a Saturday morning, and and so at this time of year, like I already said, everything's magnified a little bit, and and every whether a team's first or last in the standings or anywhere in between, at the end of the day, you're going to get one win or one loss. And, and that's how you have to look at it, I think, is it's a GPAC game and we need to prepare to win. So you guys will hit the road for that game. Uh, that'll be down in Seward, Nebraska this upcoming Saturday. So Charger Faithful, make sure that you're checking that game out online. If you can't make the trip, several of you probably will make the trip. For those of you who are, please drive safely. So Michael, you were at the game uh, on Saturday, like we said. What do you think it would be like to play with this group of guys? Oh, man, I don't know if I could get up and down the floor with these guys. Uh, you know, they play so fast, and it's really, it's a really fun style of basketball to watch. And I think it's at times it can be lethal, you know. I mean, when, they, when they're on, they can beat probably just about anybody in the country, um, you know, whether that's a GPAC team or a team from a, a, a higher division or whatever because they're, they're just they're so talented and they're so good offensively. And I think – um, you know, at, at moments they can be scrappy defensively, which is really fun. I think if I played with these guys, my, my job would be protect the rim, maybe just stay back on defense and let them do their thing on offense and then just protect the rim and um, maybe get an offensive rebound here or there, you know, maybe finish a dump off. But it'd be really fun. I think the thing that you can you, you can really tell even sitting in the stands, and I'm not just saying this because I know, you know, Coach Figueroa and Coach Shipley so well, and they've told me, but you can just tell they're – they're guys who compete. They love to play. They love to play with each other. And there's there's a chemistry there that I think is really um, – it, it's been really consistent over the last few years. And and I think it started with guys like Brian Forbes and, and Shane Graves and Austin Leffler and even like Clay Harold and those guys where there was just kind of a, a, a run of the, these guys all knew what their job was and – you know, you see a guy like Ethan Friedel last year come in and kind of figure it out his role. And then, you know, yesterday hits like three threes in a row in the first half, which were huge. Um, but then what's really cool is to see the young guys uh, like Klein Hesslink. Am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. You know, he's a gamer. And uh, it was cool to see last night because he made the right play, the right basketball play, you know. And um, he didn't – a couple times he, he missed the shot. But he took the shot, and that was you, you got to do that when you're a freshman. You got to build that confidence. And then, man, he hit a big shot late. You know, he he drove in the lane three times early in the game and missed all three. And then he had an opportunity to do it a fourth time, and it was the biggest shot of the game. And so, um, you just love to see that from these guys. They're so fun to watch. And um, I think the question was, how would I fit in? I don't know if I would, but but I, but I would be a heck of a teammate, and I would I would love I would love being a part of it because these guys are are really fun to watch. I think I need to weigh in on that part. Michael would be a huge asset for this team um, because he would really just he would protect the rim defensively, and and he was and he was like this when he played. You know, he could cover for other people's mistakes because he was such a good shot blocker, had such good timing and instincts um, and all that. But also, you know, Mike was an underrated ball screen player as an offensive player, and uh, he played with guards that weren't necessarily suited for ball screen actions and now you know you put him in a ball screen with Jay Wolf and Jay Wolf's probably going to throw it up to the rim let him go catch it and, and finish it um but uh so he would absolutely fit on this team you know and it's funny because because Nick Nelson and I have talked about that before you know with with Michael is you know we probably didn't run the right offense for him when he played 
but it was probably the right offense for everybody else. And he was actually the one that probably got hurt by it the most from a from an offensive stats perspective. But um, it's uh, he, he would absolutely fit. He's being a little modest right now. Yeah, and you know, I I, I appreciate Coach saying that. That's really cool to hear. Um, but I but I, what I would say is, you know, during my time. I just love to play, and and I love to play with our team and for our guys, and I really loved our coaches. And <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, it was a lot of fun to play uh, for these guys and and to play for Briarcliff, and um, so I wouldn't trade my experience for anything. And I'm just so happy that I get to be connected to such a great program that you know I I try to I'm a high school coach now, and I try to t- talk to my guys all the time about you know when you're a part of something special. If it's important to you, you 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 check in and you 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 know I watched the the Briarcliff DW game on my computer at home and um, my wife played basketball here so you know Briarcliff basketball from the men's and women's side is so important to me because without it you know I wouldn't be where I am today so uh, just really fortunate to be a part of such a great program and um, you know I, I would say Coach Figuera and I you know he came in when I was going to be a junior and. Uh, Right away, we we clicked, but it was like I had never had a coach demand that much of me before, and I I ended up really like I loved that style of coaching. I loved the intensity, I loved it when he he got me going and 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 held me accountable, and uh, I think now we've formed a pretty strong friendship because of it, which is really cool. You know, I'll text him just you know, hey, saw the score, good job. But what I what's great is I can text him now and say, hey, do you got a drill for this? You got a set for this, and that's really cool. And it's been a lot of fun getting to know Coach Figuera in that way as well. You know, and you brought this up, and it was actually something as I as I knew you were coming on the podcast. I wanted to talk about that first summer I was in Sioux City. It was going into your junior year. We worked out together. Yeah, there there was there was a few guys here for the summer. It was you, Shipley, Sitzman, and Tim Lone. And uh, I think probably four days a week, you, me, and Tim Lone. Worked out, did a bunch of post drills, big guy drills. And uh, one, I, I think it was really beneficial for both you guys because you guys ended up being our, you know, you started and, and Tim came off the bench and you were first and second in the league and blocked shots that year. Um, but, you know, you guys had a huge impact on that team. That was a Sweet 16 team. Um, but on an average day, there was probably a pretty big pool of sweat oh. around the basket when we were working out with that group of three. Yeah, you know, I, and here's the thing. I, I sweat a lot when I'm playing or I'm working out. I don't stink. I just sweat, and and it's everywhere. And and Tim and I, and the, and this is something like when you're a college basketball player, you play pickup a lot in the fall and in the and in the spring. And when we would play, we'd actually always want to be skins because it was a huge advantage because you could like slide off of the guy guarding you. And if if you were skins, you couldn't. I mean, you just couldn't be guarded because if you got a guy, if you made contact, and I, I can remember specifically guys on other teams would, you know, they drive in the lane or, or something and they'd make contact with us and they'd, they'd go, oh, like, you know, I mean, they, they'd make, they'd make, they, like, they, like Taylor Murren would verbalize that. And it was like, and it was like, and, and I would just, dude, yeah, dude, dude. And, and I would be like, dude, sorry, man. Like, but, but then it was like he stopped playing for a second. And, and Tim and I, I mean, we worked out against each other so much that we, we were used to it. But, you know, that summer I think was really, was really cool because I remember Jake and I talking about it. And, and we both, you know, my parents moved away from my hometown. And so I didn't want to go home that summer. I mean, I, I did the year before and it was awful. And Jake was super bored in state center. And, 
and Ben is from here and and Tim you know I think he just he didn't want to go all the way home either and and he had buddies staying and so the four of us stayed and and if you look at the year since guys have really started to stay in the summer and I I would say you guys would attribute some a lot a lot of the success you've had to that absolutely um, you know, and I think you guys probably set the groundwork for that to put that in motion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was probably Graves and Forbes and yep. and Harold and Leffler and all those guys that kind of made it a thing that everybody stayed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been huge for us, and it's been huge from a basketball standpoint. But I think more importantly, it's been huge from a, a chemistry standpoint. And the guys, you know, we work out for about an hour and a half to two hours a day, and so they have the rest of their day. And obviously, a lot of our guys work, but they spend a lot of time golfing together playing video games together, just hanging out together. And uh, I think that does wonders for your chemistry and, and the culture of your program. And that's something that, that our players have done such a good job of building. And I, and I can remember that summer specifically. <clears throat> you know, we'd start like at 6 a.m. and we'd go do weights. And we, we, we had an agility program at that time that we did. And, um, you know, when you're doing anything with somebody that early and, and, and it's not fun, I tell you what, though, when it when a game is not fun and the game looks tough, you know, you're you're at Northwestern or you're at Door, or you're you know you're in the national tournament and you can't score, which we couldn't that year. Um, I know I could look like Tim was a guy who at that point before that summer, we 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 were we were teammates and friends, but but by the end of that year, I I Tim and I had such a better connection and to the point where like we would talk about the matchup that we had because we were guarding the same guy when we were in. Um, and you know we had the same job, and we had that trust because of those those workouts in the summer. And um, I, you know, like like again, that's just another thing I'm so thankful for. Like Tim Lone, a guy who our paths never would have crossed. You know, he grew up in Iowa City, around the Iowa City area. I'm from Iowa Falls. Now we're we're, we're friends, and um, you know when we do see each other, it's a really good time. So uh, it's just that's the part about being a college basketball player that's so underrated. You know, people don't talk about that. They they talk about the big moments, the big shots. I miss it the most. I think for all the little things. I think that's what I miss the most about being a college basketball player. Yeah, and, and you know I've talked before just about the relationships that you build in college basketball and. You know, having you here this weekend, Mike, and I, you know, I had the chance last night to, to hang out with you and John Engler and, and Shipley and Ben Sitzman and just a great crew. You know, of that's 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 some good dudes and and some good players. And um, you know, I'm kind of the outlier there because I was the I, I was the assistant coach with that group. But I, I tell you what, it's it's awesome to see those relationships. And we're talking six seven years later now, and uh, you know, guys are married and having kids and whatever, and and still coming back to to see the program support the program i think that's so awesome and i i don't know that you get that everywhere and i think that's really special about Briarcliff and, and the basketball program so we've kind of touched on what you've been up to michael i mean you played here through 2013 and then you were here as a coach after that uh but tell everybody what you've been doing since then i know you said you're coaching right now coach figuera just talked about uh, starting families and those sorts of things. I know you guys, uh, you and, and your wife, who's also a BC alum, have some some news there. So uh, how have things been going for you? What have you been up to? How's the season going? Just fill everybody in on, on what Michael Collison's been up to. Yeah, you know, uh, things are things are great. Uh, I live back in Iowa Falls where I grew up. Um, I, I'm the head boys basketball coach at Iowa Falls Alden High School, and I teach English at the high school. Um, and this is my second year coaching uh, or being a head coach there. And um, I'm having a lot of fun. You know, our, our program, Cadet Basketball has a, has a tremendous tradition over the years, you know, and some really good teams. And um, kind of 
right before I moved back to the area, about right when I got out of college, there were a few years where we, we struggled a little bit. And um, so we're really trying to establish culture. You know, that's our biggest thing. And um, last year we had a really, you know, we were eight and 13, but we were really competitive and, and we lost a lot of close games. And so I think we kind of knew we were really close and we were really young. Our best player was a freshman. Um, he averaged 20 points per game as a freshman. Um, our second best player was a sophomore. So then coming into this season, you know, we, we definitely thought we had a chance to be very successful. And in our first game, our, uh, our, our sophomore now, who averaged 20 points per game last year, he's actually been offered by Drake. He broke his finger. And so, oh, so we haven't had him uh, since then. And so we're three and five right now. And, you know, but, but, I, but the last thing I let, the, let our guys do is, is put that excuse out there and say, oh, we're not going to be good. You know, guys, we got to figure it out, you know, and, and we've been very close, you know, again. And um, we're trying to, trying to get our guys to understand what it takes to win. And, you know, and we haven't won in a while. And so I think we're learning that. We're learning what it takes to, to sustain that and, and to, to find ways to win those close games. And that's really fun. Um, I, I just, you know, I love our kids in our program. We have kids who love basketball. We've got like 40 kids out for basketball at a 3A school, which is great. Um, we have kids who want to be in the gym and want to be good, and, and that's just so fun for me. Um, so I'm so proud to be their coach. You know, on the other end, uh, my my wife, I, moved, I convinced her to move back to my hometown with me, and, and she enjoys it. Uh, she played basketball at Briarcliff. She was also a pretty good shot blocker. Um, she's like 6'1". And, you know, I'm, I'm about 6'9", six, 6'10", six, and we're expecting our first child. So maybe a potential Briarcliff class of, I mean, I can't do the math, but um, in the future, Briarcliff. The letter of intent will be in the mail shortly. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but anyway. Either from me or Coach Power. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, we're so excited. We're expecting our first, uh, first child in June. And, um, you know, so. I would say things are great. Uh, I love what I do, and uh, um, I love where I'm at right now. And um, it's it's fun because I get to work with kids every day, and that's my, that's what I love to do. I will love to work with people, and there's there's no better people person job than uh, than being a teacher because you get to work with so many different types of people each and every day, and, and it's so much fun. Now I know I'm thinking back to my high school experience, and a lot of teachers would use movies as a crutch to either kill time or if they didn't want to get their lesson plan put together for whatever reason, they were out partying the weekend before, whatever it was. But you've kind of you I've seen on on Twitter you've kind of done the same thing, but you've put a wrinkle in it to make it look like you're educating these kids. I saw you had some students like write movie scripts or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. You know, I think education is changing. Um, and as an English teacher, you know, what my focus is, is I focus more on what are the skills used in, in English and communication and, um, you know, in, in analysis and things like that, rather than like read chapter five, tell me what color the, uh, the chair was, you know, um, because that's not really a practical English skill. And, and, and believe it or not, that's how some people still teach. And, and so I, I try to do different things and, you know, kids today, um, I, I try to find things that relate to them and, and, and connect with them. So, you know, we'll listen to a lot of, uh, we'll listen to songs and, and analyze the lyrics. We'll, we'll watch scenes from TV shows and movies and talk about theme and, uh, you know, arguing what the theme is and, and, and what it isn't. And, um, we try to mix it up and be different. And, um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but that's, that's teaching is like coaching. You, you know, you try something 
you figure it out. If it doesn't work, you reevaluate and you, you try it again, which is a great, it's a great thing to do. Um, you know, I, I work with some great teachers and, um, one of my, one of the, the teachers I work with was my English teacher. And so she, you know, has, has more experience and she's, she's willing to try new things, but she's also a great person to go to for advice. So, um, Teaching is changing, but it but it's 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 such a fun fun job, and and you get to like I said, work with kids and help them think in a different way. So I will argue that sometimes movies are are better than books, you know, for teaching those skills, and and that's fun to do. No, I agree with you, and and you know, I think back. My mom's an educator, and I think back to some of the the teachers that had an impact on me, and but teachers who you know, allowed you to learn things by through experience or by doing something a little bit different. Those are the the things that really. I think stuck with me and, and that's where I really learned something. And so I think that's awesome that you find ways to do that. And, you know, from what I know about you, I know you, you know, you're, you're a funny guy. Um, this is a question I had Debatable. to ask you about. Well, um, I've actually seen you do a stand up comedy bit here in Sioux city. And it's something that you seem to have a natural knack for. So is stand up comedy something that you've, uh, considered as either a hobby or, or maybe a something you have a future in you know I I did do a couple nights of stand-up uh, and I haven't done it in a long time um, but but it, it was fun to do I think when I was young when you know and and I don't want this podcast episode to turn into a two-hour thing but um, <laughs> when I was young I I had I didn't have a lot of interest in basketball I mean it was pretty pretty far from my what I wanted to do and um, I, I love to to be in um, I was in speech I love to be in the school play I love those things and I love I kind of like to to make people laugh like that was something I really enjoyed doing and and I always like wanted to be in stand-up or you know to be on Saturday Night Live like that was what I wanted to do and then as I started to uh, to like get taller and and I was like oh, that's gonna be really tough like no one's gonna hire a 610 act character actor um you know that's just not gonna happen but 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 anyway uh i started to you know like when i got to high school i grew from 6'2 my freshman year to 6'7 when i was a sophomore and basketball became easier for me and uh i, st I started to like it more and then and then it was kind of like okay i want to work really hard to to help my friends you know because they wanted to to be good and, and i wanted to our team to be good and i didn't even start thinking about playing college basketball until i was pretty much a senior and um, and even at that point, it's funny, Coach Barry and Coach Nelson could tell you this story, but I, I told them, I'm not going to a small school. You know, I'm, I'm going to go, if I don't get offered by a big school as like a kind of a project, you know, I was, I was definitely a work in progress. It was pretty raw. Um, I said, I'm just going to go to UNI. And Coach Nelson will tell you right now, like, he was like, what are we, what are we still recruiting this kid for? He told us he's not coming, but Coach Barry, he just stuck with it. And something changed in my senior year where I just, I loved playing and I didn't want to stop. And I knew if I went to Briarcliff, I was going to play no matter what. I was going to play JV or play varsity. So I was going to play and know if I liked playing college basketball. And then I came here my freshman year and I played on the varsity team and uh, I didn't love it. I'll be honest. I'll be truthful. And uh, because I was, I was playing like eight to 12 minutes and like Jake was playing JV and he was scoring all the time. He was, I, re I felt like he was really developing. And, and, you know, I remember being like, this is frustrating, you know, cause that freshman year is so hard for everybody. And um, as a guy who didn't really know if you wanted to play, it was hard. And I really was close to transferring from Briarcliff. And I remember a conversation I had with coach Nelson, who was the assistant at the time. 
he didn't he didn't try to tell me he didn't say you're making a mistake if you leave he didn't say we need you here more than anything he just said i understand like why you're struggling you know and i understand this and and it really meant a lot to me that he just he just leveled with me in that way and i remember making the decision i want to stay at briarcliff because i i have these buddies jake shipley john engler you know ben sisman guys i've gotten really close with and it ended up being the best decision of my life because the very next year i met my wife um these guys are my best friends i had tremendous experiences with my teammates and my coaches and uh you know my path it took a a curvy road but we got here you know and and so i'm so thankful i didn't make that choice to leave and r really really thankful for briar cliff and everything it's done for me somehow it always gets sentimental with me it, it always does <laughs> let's turn it to maybe the funny here you know i was really hoping bobby would be here because uh obviously uh he does a tremendous job and obviously uh he work he, he works his tail off to to be a great student coach and he says obviously quite a bit on the pod, and uh, I just I did want to give him a little crap for that, but no, he, he's great. He does a, he does a great job. He does, and we give him a lot of crap on this podcast. He's for, used to it, then. Yeah, well, you know, for missing episodes, but he always seems to have a uh, a valid excuse. It's usually God or family, <laughs> and I think this morning he's at church, so that's God. But um, you know, he does he does a nice job, and I think he's probably got a future in broadcasting. Also. You guys were talking about a podcast-related nickname for the host. Now, I have one for you. Um, okay. I don't know if, it, if it's good or if it'll stick. You, 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 you do talk about your children a little bit. So I was thinking, Dad Pod? <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> and and uh, that one works on a lot of levels. <laughs> Even though my wife will... A lot. <laughs> a lot of levels. My wife will, will tell me I have the Dad Pod. And, I, I, I will be honest and say... I'm, I think I'm just straight up chubby. <laughs> well, well, you know, food is talked about a lot on this podcast. I think we all are, 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 are in the dad pod mode right now. Um, but, but I just, I thought, you know, I'll throw it out there. If it sticks great. If it doesn't, no worries. I like that. And I don't take any offense to it. So, uh, if that catches on, I'm good with it. It's more of a, it's more of a father reference here. Okay. <laughs> I do talk about my kids. Um, and that's yeah. awesome. That's that's a good one. Yeah. Speaking of which, I uh, coached my son's first grade basketball team this last weekend, and we got whooped. Yeah. So uh, did we you see a lot of zone defense? Uh, you know what? I'm not going to get into it, uh, but I think we did. Some um, some some youth coaches are a little bit more preoccupied with winning than than teaching the game, and, and well, that's tough. I'll tell you what. At first grade, you don't really know what kind of defense they're playing because <laughs> everyone's true. just running in a million different directions. So uh, no, I won't take anything away from that other team. Uh, they definitely had us on height. Uh, and our kids, they, they couldn't quite understand the concept of uh, just stay between your guy and the basket with your hands up. So we're going to work on that next week. Two, two, two youth basketball stories for you. In the Iowa Falls Parks and Rec Basketball League in 2001, Michael Krogh brought my, – my dad was our coach, and, and, and dad said, all right, guys, you need to uh, – for the game on Saturday, you need to bring something to drink during the game, you know – water a gatorade something to rehydrate yourself and michael krogh brought a coke a bottle of coke <laughs> and he's like sipping on it during the game and in the third quarter the third quarter he's he's running down and he just starts holding his side and he's like coach sub me out uh and then also um i, I can't remember his name i know his first name was eric i can't remember his last name eric something 
um, in the in the same fifth grade basketball league had coins in his pocket as he's <laughs> running up and down the court, and it just and it was like the whole time it was it was they were just jingling in there, and and then uh, one of the coaches asked him, "Do you take those out?" And he said, "I don't want to lose my money, so I'm going to Casey's after this, and I don't want to lose my money." Um, so. Youth basketball now nowadays like the same if the the equivalent of that same story in 2019 would be a kid would have like his phone in his pocket and he he would be holding it. We actually just started this youth basketball program and a kid did that all practice. He had his phone in there, and and the coach is like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I don't have anywhere else to put it. I don't want anyone to take it." So well, usually to keep your own stats, you could just keep that stuff in your head. But now there's probably an app for that. Yeah, you could track it, you know. And for little kids, it's like. Um, I'm one for nine from the field, but that's a good percentage in fifth grade basketball sometimes. I remember in middle school, we had Jeans Kid. Did you ever yes. have Jeans Kid? I coached a seventh grade basketball team in Durant, Iowa when I first moved back from Seattle, and we had a kid who rocked jeans and and Vans every day. And and, and, and I told him, I said, do you have other shoes? He said, I do. You know, because I didn't, I didn't want to say, you know, you need to bring something else and have the kids say, well, like, you know, I couldn't afford it or something like that. Because, you know, that, I, I understand that. Different homes, different situations. But he said, no, I do. I just, I just like these better. <laughs> so are we talking straight up jeans or are we talking jorts? Jorts. <laughs> You're talking jeans. I'm talking straight up jeans. Oh, God. Like, with like boots on because when it's getting home time, it's getting to work time. Oh yeah, there you go. And you know, I do. We could talk about youth sports more, but I know it'll it'll inevitably lead into Coach Figueroa's youth baseball career, where he said he just threw gas. I think the quote was, "I threw gas," uh, and 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 he, and he he you know he he would talk to me all the time about his his youth sports career and. And I, you know, John Engler would never give him the time of day. I always, I just listened. You know, I listened to him and made him feel good about it. Well, you know, there, there's always a certain level of revisionist history um, when you talk about your own athletic accomplishments. Yep. And uh, self-admittedly, you know, you can find the stats. I think I averaged like 2.4 points per game as a senior in college. Um, you know, so I can't BS that. But uh, my Little League baseball career – which was probably less than stellar. I, could, I mean, <laughs> you have no way of knowing, though. That's true. And I was big, and I could throw hard. And Didn't then, have great control, but yeah. I could throw hard. And then here's, here's you know, you, you brought up your, your college basketball career. And when, when, when you came to Briarcliff, you talked about how you went to Dana College, rest in peace. And, uh, um, and Sfagera would work out, you know, with us. And, and he, and like, every once in a while, he would, like, throw in something like, Carlson, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to guard me. And, and, and then like, or he said something and that he would just talk about like how the, the way I was as a player, wasn't going to be able to contend with him. And then after I graduated, I would say, I asked him once and he just said, Oh, you're, you're way better than me. Like, you know, like it was just funny, but, but, you know, I think, I think that's part of like the coach player relationship. You gotta, you gotta keep it fresh and exciting and fun. And, and, you know, I would not have wanted Figueroa to be just like, Here's the X's and O's. This is this is the matchup. I love that about him that he was willing to to give you know give you some crap and you had to be willing to handle it or give it back. Um, like John Engler would give it back. I just I just loved it. Like I thought it was funny and um, we we had so many good times. One of my favorite John Engler stories was at the national tournament when you guys were juniors, my first year at Briarcliff, and uh, we we had a drill called bad pass drill. Oh God! With the big guys and and at that time I worked with the big guys and all the breakdown stuff and. Uh, you know, I, I hate to put former players on blast a little bit, but Ben Sitzman was on that team, and, mm. and Ben was a winner and did a lot of really good things. Ben, ben, ben was not a good passer. And Ben, yes, I would agree. And Ben is all-time 
one of my favorite teammates. He demanded so much from you. It was awesome. But he could not pass He's the a terrible ball. passer, especially if he had to use his right hand at all to pass. Um, and so we, I, I just kind of made up this drill one day because Ben was athletic. He would get into the paint, mm -hmm. and he would whip just fastballs at these guys, underhanded fastballs. And so, you know, here I am, not nearly as athletic as Ben, trying to re replicate this in, in a practice <laughs> drill. And so I'm just winging terrible pass, throwing them at their feet, throwing them at their heads. Um, well, Ricky Torres, a freshman at He's the time. He's a freshman. Ball goes right through his hands. About smacks him in the face. It missed. Um, but John Engler was irate. John. I, talking under his breath. And uh, I couldn't – I can't repeat everything on the podcast he was actually saying. But basically questioning the validity of the drill. Yep. Um, this is ridiculous. What are we doing? And, and, and credit – you know, and, I will say – And I think my response to his complaining about it was – the good Lord blessed me with a set of hands to catch the basketball with. And I would I will say credit to John for defending his teammate. But but I mean that drill we we do that drill because we don't have good passers either. And uh you know I, I tell our big guys this I think it's kind of verbatim what you told us. They're going to throw it. It's going to be bad, but we want to catch it and finish anyway. And uh, But, like, that was one of the drills that we did that was fun. Finish drill was always fun. And and if you got dunked on in finish drill, Coach Figueroa was going to let you hear about it. And, and we at the time, we had guys who could catch and finish we, off two we, and dunk. We were huge. And, that, yep. you know, I talked about that once before on the podcast. Your junior year, that team was – you know, you and Tim Lone were the fives, 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, yep. You know, John played the four. He was 6'6". Six, six. Shipley on the wing, 6'8". Sitzman on the wing, 6'4". You know, we were – you guys were talking about it last night. We were like one, two, three – or one, two, four, five in the league in block shots per game. We probably it was led Collison, the country. Lone, Shipley, Sitzman. We led the country. Yeah, we did. We, we led did. the country in block shots. Um, people couldn't score on us. But then We couldn't score. Um, you know, we, we won our national tournament game 59-56 to 56 and lost the next day in the second round 55-50. to 50. You know, we call that a first half now. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and that, that's just natural evolution, and the games change a little bit and all that. But, uh, but that was a fun team that first year I was here. Even, even like, you're talking about, like, the size, it, like, finished drill. Clay Peggles was on that team and, and, and worked really hard and was, was a great dude to have on the team. He was 6'9", and he might have been the most athletic of yeah, all he of was. us. Yeah, he was. the best dunker. Oh, for took sure. The took the most pride in dunking, for yes. sure. And, oh, yeah, if there were girls walking around on the top track, he was dunking. Um, you know, I love Clay. And he and – he, so, like, in that – like, you're talking we led the country in block shots – and Tim and I would be getting dunked on by Clay, you know, and like, and it, and it was like, it was great though for teaching how to contest. And that's kind of, that's what we did. That was, we kind of, we took pride in it. Our job is to catch and finish and, and we don't want to screw this up. And, um, you know, I think also a grievance with coach Creech, he said that Michael Collison, great person. I don't know if he ever scored against us. And, and now, and I think I'm assuming he's meaning scoring a lot because I know our senior game here, I had, three dunks to start the game yeah you did and and actually out at hastings they had beat us here in the infamous jake marvin putting 40 on you was waiting for, game i was waiting to uh, i wasn't gonna game. bring it up i wasn't but you brought up that game so i had to. i brought up the next year um oh you're talking about the next year yeah oh, sorry thanks thanks mark um well i was thinking your junior year though they beat us here we went out there and played them and the first play of the game, we ran Boiler down, uh, we, and you oh. just buried Jake Marvin at the basket and scored at the rim to start the game, and then we just kind of whooped him from there. And then I can remember, like, defensively being like, 
I don't I, I don't I don't need to make a help rotation all day. This guy is not scoring because he had a great game against us here. And and and, and it wasn't, you know, it's him and me both. Like we couldn't guard him and he was feeling it. It wasn't a pretty night for Collison and Lone when they came out of the game and had to deal with me. And I will say and I will say, you know, this at the time I was so mad. But getting to know Jake Marvin, great dude. He is a great kid. I great and I, I recruited Jake um, when I coached at Hastings. He's yeah. a great kid, great family. I think he's doing really well for himself now too. Huge Kansas Jayhawks fan. Um, but, uh, that'll do it to to get in good with Collis. Yeah, but 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 like he had he had like forty four points, and I think we do we do a statistic called defensive points per game allowed, and uh, when 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 you watch the film, every point within the game is attributed to somebody on the team, like based on did you know? So if a guy drives, still do it too. Yeah, it's a great it's a great uh, statistic. You know, let's say I'm guarding you, Matt, and you drive. Um, but someone, but someone else didn't make the help. I might get one of those points, and, and Mark might get the other point. I think Tim and I both had like 20 points allowed. No, no, but then, but then it's calculated by if you played the whole game, and we didn't play the whole game. And so I think our points per game, if we would have played the whole game, was like 47 or 48. <laughs> it was like a ridiculous number that that I think I don't think it's the biggest number, but it's got to be up there. Well, Mike, you actually uh, you were a little off because, as you know. I don't throw anything away, and I keep pretty detailed stats. Of course. So I just looked up that game from uh, 2011, and your your points per game production was 36, and Tim's was 33. So close and terrible, but uh, not completely accurate. <laughs> you know, and and uh, it was it was a tough matchup for us because because Jake could shoot threes, and um, but like I said, the second time we played him, I remember going to Hastings, which is a tough place to play, and I don't think in my whole career. Other than that game, we played well there. And I can remember before the game, during warm-ups, we were especially locked in because they beat us here. And uh, I think you said after the game that Coach Creech was talking yeah. about that. Co- Coach Creech came over to me before the game and, and said, I just told our guys in the locker room, we better be ready to go because those guys are, are locked in and ready. And we got on them from the start. And, and it was like right from the get-go. We ran boiler down. We had a ball screen play that we ran. And – and I remember I had a dunk, but I barely got it because I was so tired from defense. Because I just, like I said, like in, in my mind, I'm like, no matter what, Jake Marvin is not having a game today. And and I don't think he and we, had. We a, were up 20 at half. Murren hit a half court shot yep, at yep. the buzzer. Um, and then late in the game, Tim Lone threw a pass into Taylor Murren's head. <laughs> oh God! Number one play of the year on not top 10 plays that year. <laughs> that was a fun year. Um, so, Mike couple things that uh, you and I have in common, I think. Mm-hmm. Love for food, Absolutely. love for music. Absolutely. So I'm going to put you on the spot with a couple. You have one Hamilton Boulevard lunch. Where are you going? Opa Time. Absolutely Opa Time. Opa Time is a tremendous restaurant. And, you know, when you say Hamilton, I'm, I'm going to play that true. It's got to be on Hamilton. Um, Opa Time is, is a great place. One album that you could listen to for the rest of your life. This is going to – this is going to – this is gonna kill Mark. Like he's gonna he's gonna just give me so much crap for this. I would say like the Lumineers self titled album. Hey, doesn't kill me at all. Yeah. Great album. Great album. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great that's a great album. Michael, you know we normally do lightning round questions and, and our lightning round usually takes about twenty minutes. And so I think we've kind of been doing that already. But there's one question I wanted to ask. You're the all time blocks leader, career blocks leader here at the cliff by about a hundred blocks. I think Leon Trimmingham 
uh, is is sitting at second, and that's some pretty good company to be in. Uh, is there a block or a game, a series of blocks, or, or just a game where one of those record-setting blocks stands out to you? You know, I don't I don't know if I had a ton of blocks in the game, but I can remember my junior year when we played Northwestern College at home, and I, I know you guys have talked about that season on the pod because it was such a fluky year. We were five and zero, and we played them up at Northwestern, and they killed us. And then we played them here, and we killed them. I mean, we were up big at one point, um, and then they beat us in the conference tournament. But I can remember they they had two great bigs. They were in in the G Pack when I was playing. My grade had a lot of really good big guys, like really skilled offensive players. And so, like for me, it was all like I my I was always thinking. How can I just minimize what they do? You know, because they're gonna they're gonna get ten to fifteen. How I don't want it to be twenty five. You know, and and I can remember in that game, just playing really solid defense on their bigs. And like I said, I don't know if I had any any blocks, but it was one of my better defensive games. I think I only had like two. Po- I only had like two points in the game, but they had a guy by the name of Stu Goslinga who was a good big guy. And there was a. When we played them up there the first time, the the gym at the Boltman Center, it's called the Boltman Center, right, was dead quiet. And Coach Nelson, in his first year of coaching, and I think he would never do this now, he said, Michael, is he better than you? And it was like everybody heard it. And so, again, that was like a thing I thought about probably for like two months. And so then when we played him at home, I think he I, – I don't remember how many points he had, but I, like – I, I feel like I played a good defensive game. We all did, though. We all played a great, great game defensively. And, you know, I don't know if there was a I, – I didn't – I never I never was a swat it to the third row guy. I love to block shots and get the ball because then we gained a possession. You know, I, I would tap it to myself and then grab it, and we could start the break. Because if you if you swat it out of bounds, it's, it's cool. Mm-hmm. But then they get the ball and they get to run a baseline out of bounds, which so many guys are good at scoring off that. But, um, you know – I. Blocking shots was something that uh, it was easier for me because I am, you know, I'm 6'10 and I have long arms. And um, but but I, I really took a lot of pride in it because I knew if I could minimize paint finishes, that was going to help us win, you know, because now you're having to take 15 footers or threes. And if you're not a good shooting team, those 15 footers are tough shots. You know, if you can take away things at the rim and if you can minimize other mis- other players mistakes and, you know, like the last two years when I played, we had some guys who could really score, but maybe weren't great one-on-one defenders. Um, one of my best friends included, uh, who's, who happens to be an assistant coach. But like, I felt like if I could help help those guys, you know, when you're when you're a shot blocker, you're kind of the quarterback of the defense. You got to be the best talker. You've got to see everything, and and you have to have the right timing to know when to leave your guy. Because if you leave too early, you just gave up a layup. You know, if you if you left when your guy's not beat then then it, then that was a bad help you know and and we had some guys in our conference who were good at, at, at kind of baiting you to help you know like Trent Miller from Morningside was great at he it was like he looked like he had beat his guy but he hadn't and then you you leave too early and you give up a layup so the timing is really important there and it's definitely a thing you learn like you have to block shots throughout your life to learn how to do it at the college level and um so uh, it is it is something I took a lot of pride in, and, 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 and it, it's kind of cool to be in the record books for that. I think Leon Trimming, Trimmingham was a, probably a way better player than I was, but but it's cool to, to be, uh, you know, at the top in some category at Briarcliff, for sure. Well, awesome. And, and Michael, it's been great having you on the podcast today. Uh, we appreciate you coming in. I know Extend, you got a long drive. Extended today. episode, sorry. No, this is great. <laughs> I think uh, – I think it's always great to get alumni in here. Um, you know, it, your time at the Cliff, you came in 
right after I graduated. Mm-hmm. I was in admissions actually when I do remember that when you committed to Briarcliff, and I remember just in the admissions office, uh, that was a big deal. Uh, and basketball was real excited about that, just because you know you you have some family history with Briarcliff, and mm-hmm. uh, I think you know Coach Barry and and uh, Coach Nelson saw a lot of potential with you, and and they knew you were the type of guy who really. Uh, would stand for the right things and it would be a Briarcliff type of guy if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense so um you know I've, I was kind of there when when you came in and and so it was a lot of fun to to watch and uh you know appreciate you coming on and glad you can make the game this weekend and uh we do have a couple of listener questions here so we're not going to cut you off totally right now uh, we might get your feedback here on these and so let's get to those because we are running a little bit long here. Uh, the first comes from Dylan Janicek. Uh, I think he actually submitted a, a question earlier this year, so uh, I think he's leading the league in questions asked. Uh, Shocker. His question is, uh, what's your big three? So he did listen. He's changing up the format from starting five to Mount Rushmore to whatever it is, the Stonehenge of, of uh, <laughs> black coffee. Yeah. Stonehenge is, like, <laughs> Stonehenge is like, I don't know why, but I'm drawn to it. But, well, that's, that's exactly right. And so I think, I think that is the perfect analogy for this question. What is your big three or your Stonehenge, okay. which I'm going to uh, drop in here, for places to get black coffee? Oh, um, well, there's not a lot of direction with that question. Is this in Sioux City? Is this in the world? I mean, I, I, I've, had some good, I've had some good cups of coffee in my day. I, I you know, yeah, I, I think, you know, let's go with Sioux City or at least regionally because I think that's where a lot of our listeners are and, and we want to give them something to go try. Yeah, if we're, if we're talking Sioux City, there's a couple of really good local places uh, where you can get a good cup of coffee. One is Pierce Street Coffee Works um, right on about, was it, 20th and Pierce. Um, they have really good coffee, good lunch place too. Um, Stone Brew, you know, there's one over on Gordon Drive. There's one up in the Dunes. They have really good coffee. Um, and then I'm I'm kind of a sucker for scooters. Um, you know, it's a little further down Hamilton Boulevard um, from Briar Cliff, but uh, you know, any and, and honestly, this doesn't make the top three, but Java City on campus has really good coffee, and it's convenient. It's a quick walk over to Helan Hall, um, you know, and I'm. Kind of excited that they open up again next week. They've been closed here for break, so getting Java City back open is always a win for me. There's a place, speaking of coffee and, I guess, food, there's a place on Pierce Street called E-Lilies. I think that's how you pronounce it, a little Ethiopian place. I don't know if you've ever eaten there. Um, Heard of it, but haven't been there. Yeah, a couple of my coworkers kind of got me turned on to that place. But they, uh, you know, they have Ethiopian food, which, you know, I've had a couple times now, which is pretty good. Um, but they also have a coffee bar uh, and have Ethiopian oh. coffee, which – is is really good so it's kind Sounds of off like the radar place, place. Out. yeah definitely it's on pierce street i think it's like 16th and pierce or somewhere around there but something a little different michael where do you go in iowa falls to get a good cup of coffee uh we actually have a, a local coffee shop called the coffee attic uh it's been around for about 15 years in iowa falls um really good black coffee and i'm, and I'm like coach figuera i don't take anything with my coffee you know um I think when I started drinking coffee, I said, this is the way to do it. If you get if you get started with all that extra stuff, you can't get out of it. So Coffee Attic and Iowa Falls is a great place. Now we've got another listener question here. This one comes from Eric Mason, and he asks, who is the current strongest player in the G-Pack? There's some history to this question, and I'm not going to get into the, uh, the entire story, but uh, – Eric Mason is a teammate of mine at Dana, actually the brother-in-law of Kyle Borhave, one of our current players, and, and Eric's the head coach at Sheldon High School and had some great success up there. He got he played at Dana. He's three years younger than me. I coached against him um, in a game his senior year at Dana when I was at Hastings. We beat him. 
classic GPAC games, back and forth, back and forth. Great game. We win. Um, he got into a scuffle with one of Hastings' players, and uh, one of the two people involved, whether it was Eric or the other guy, um, one of them claimed to be the strongest player in the GPAC. Both of them deny that it ever happened and that they ever said that. Um, you know, so to answer that question, I, I don't know um, who the strongest player is, but I think in 09 it was probably Eric Mason. Who, Coach Figuera, uh, who is the strongest weight room guy in your time at Briarcliff? Jordan Eisman was really strong. Um, he was really strong, and he, he was one of those guys. He, he, was a, he was, had a big bench press. He had a big squat, you know, pre-knee injury, mm -hmm. um, could clean a lot. Um, pound for pound, Eric Roy was really strong. Um, Shout, shouts to Eric Roy, by the way. One of my other favorite guys I played yeah, with in, tough, in college. Tough, tough dude. Yeah. Um, you, you weren't here when Kyle Swanson was here, were you? I wasn't. I, he, I came in right after that he, group. He, I, I, okay, I was off by a year then because he was a beast in the weight room, and he would, like, he would lift on game day. And, I mean, it was just like he and – and, and Kyle Swanson's an awesome guy, great guy. And, and he just – you know, he he was really that was a, a, a important thing um, in his life, and he was a big dude. And I mean, he'd go in the weight room. I remember when he walked in and he transferred in. I was like, I was probably two hundred and twenty pounds, and I'm six ten, so that's pretty stretched out. And I was like, I gotta go against this guy in practice. This is, I mean, he's he's he is a he is a man all the way through and through. So um, Jordan Eisma, though, that kid could put it up in the weight room. So we better get things wrapped up, Michael, so you can hit the road. But uh, as you know, we've got to do some shout-outs here, and we're going to go ahead and start with Coach Figuera. Yeah, my shout-out this week is uh, Coach Schultz, um, who's actually not with us. Coach Schultz, you know, he that guy, he kind of lives life to the fullest. Um, he's in Hawaii right now. But I do know, on vacation in Hawaii with his family, um, he's, he's taking the time during the time change, whatever that is, six hours. He's watched both our games this week and immediately texted me afterwards. So shout-out to Coach Schultz. And, Hope he's enjoying the Hawaii sunshine. Michael, you want to jump in with some shout-outs? Yeah, I got two. The The first shout-out is to the uh, Baxter 405, uh, Coach Shipley, Ben Sitzman, and John Engler. You know, those guys are I, – I live with those guys our, our junior year, Ben's senior year of college, and it was one of my favorite years uh, of basketball, you know, uh, just of life, really. It was a lot of fun, and we lived in, we lived in Baxter and uh, um, just had a lot of fun with those guys, lifelong friends. And then my second shout-out is to uh, my wife, Kristen Collison. You know, during the basketball season, it can get pretty crazy as a, as a head coach. And um, she, she comes to all of our games. And um, she loves basketball, too, as much as I do, which is awesome because it allows us on a weekend to get to, to Sioux City to watch our alma mater play, you know. And, and she's excited to watch the women play, you know. And, and so that's really cool. Um, so i got to give a shout-out to her. Yeah, and I'm going to give a shout-out uh, to a gentleman named Von Bornholtz. He was recognized after the Healing Girls game yesterday between the two Healing games um, with the CNOS Foundation's Caring in the Community uh, Award. He's a local guy who's been very active in high school athletics and college athletics, um, and he's been fighting illness. Um, he had a lot of family and friends show up to support him, and it was just a really cool thing. I was, I was at the game still, and uh, seeing everybody out on the court to recognize Vaughn and, and his wife, Vicki, was really cool. So uh, thanks to Vaughn and everyone else who is active in volunteering their time and efforts to uh, make high school athletics happen, especially at you know the officiating level, everyone who runs score clocks, everyone who helps in every way, shape, or form. You know, Without you guys, uh, it'd be tough to get this stuff done for all the schools around here. So with that, we're going to go ahead and, and clean things up here and call it a week. Uh, Michael, once again, thanks for joining us. Have a safe trip home. And uh, for all of our listeners, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>